if you're here this morning and you've rendered service in any, uh, in any sort of way, like in the military or through being a police officer or a fireman or any type of public service to where you put your life at risk to save others, to make sure that freedom is, is truly available for us, would you please stand just so that we could recognize you? We won't make you come up and share a speech or anything, but let's just give them a hand and a round of applause and say thank you. Awesome. And we left the little one, we left the little kids in here because I wanted them to be able to see that. So if you are first grade through fifth grade, then I want you to go, Mrs. Fountain is right here. You want to go with her? She's got some neat stuff planned for you guys. All the rest of us should be jealous because it's going to be wonderful. So first through fifth grade, go ahead and go on out. And we're excited that uh, she's with us this morning. Wanted to uh, take a moment real quick to, to welcome you. This is the Calling Community Church. We're excited that you're here. We are getting super close to our first full year of ministry here in Platte City. And it was really cool the other day. I had a chance to be back at the YMCA in the room where our church started for a Chamber of Commerce luncheon. And I only got to stay for just a, a short period of time, but I was able to just acknowledge that this is where it all began and to, to let people know that we'd be celebrating our year anniversary. So on June 14th, we'll have service here and then we'll all go together to have lunch and celebrate uh, this, this incredible work that God's doing in our community. So hopefully you're going to be able to be available for that. We, there should be information in the bulletin where you can begin to let us know like how many people to plan for so that we can uh, make sure we have the right amount of food and prepare for everybody that's going to be there. So we're, we're, let's do this before we get started. Let's pray because I wanted to pray uh, for, for one, for Emma and Arthur. Arthur was a guitar player here and Emma was their singer. And they both have been struggling a little bit with their voice recently. And Emma did a great job this morning. She, she, she pressured on through there and it was great. But let's just, we'll just pray for them because they both, they both rely on their voices to use the gift that God's given them. And Arthur's got a show coming up this weekend, right? And just that, that he would just experience some a healing touch from God. So let's pray together. So Lord, we come right now in the name of Jesus. We just lift up, for one, all those who have, who have served this country in whatever form, whatever way that you have allowed them to. And we praise you for that. We thank you for their, their sacrifice. We praise you that they're here today, but I know that they probably have comrades that have fallen uh, in service. And uh, we lift up the families that have have had to walk down that valley of the shadow of death, and we know that they're not alone because you're with them. God, we do lift up Emma and Arthur that you would touch their, their voice in a special way so that they can use their gifts to bring glory to you, Father, that they would experience healing in the name of Jesus, and they know it came from you, and they give you the honor and glory for it. So we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Speak to me, Lord, so that I can speak to those that are here to listen to what your word has to say. We praise you in Jesus' name. So last week, we had this really incredible experience um, in our, throughout our week. We had a tragedy in our home. And if you're here last week, you experienced a tragedy with us. We ran out of toilet paper at our house, and I shared that story. But this is what happened. We got home after our afternoon, and somebody had left this on our front steps. It, ladies and gentlemen, this is reason enough to be involved in a local church right here. Because when you have a need... Your needs are met, the, base, the most basic needs of life right there. But, but I just wanted 
to share, we had another tragedy at our house this week. We have run completely out of Corvettes at my house. We, there, there are no Corvettes to be found. I have searched all over my house, in my garage and in my parking lot, in the cul-de-sac. No Corvettes. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> so I'll be home later on this afternoon, and hopefully one that will be in my driveway. That'll be great. That was the case. I wanted to take this opportunity this morning to... To, to recast, recast the vision or the mission vision of our, our, of our church. And so this Thursday, I, I drove back to this, this place at Weston Bend State Park where I pulled over and I just spent some time in prayer, just really trying to process through, God, what is the mission of our church? Like, what is a, what is a mission statement that we, can, that we can just put together so that it'll help our church stay on Stay on task and stay focused. And, and so this was the mission statement that I came up with that day. And so I want you to, to read it with me. As a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and to discover the calling He has for their life. That is the mission statement that I scribbled out onto my journal that day. And I think it's, it's to me it's pretty powerful because it, it allows us, Zach, you can go ahead and leave it up there if you want. It allows us to, to look at what we're going to look at the next couple of weeks, and that is the purposes of the church. Like, what, what, is, what does the church exist for? What are some things that we can accomplish by being a church? Like, why even create a new church? I mean, well, there's other churches in the community, right? There's plenty of other churches, and there are. But we also believe that there are not enough seats available in Platte City to reach all the people that really need to be reached and in this surrounding community. I mean, honestly, of all the people who really need to know the benefits of being involved in church and knowing who Jesus Christ is, if they were all to come to church this morning, even all these seats wouldn't be enough. We would have to find more. We'd have to, there'd be people standing everywhere. And we know there's a need, obviously, in the community, and so hopefully we can be a part of meeting that need. So I want you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to unpack again the scripture that I shared last week. And this, this, this passage was written right after the birth of the first church. This is, in some liturgical calendars, it was, this would be Pentecost Sunday. This is when the, the, the Holy Spirit comes on the early believers who were all together in one place praying. And while they were praying, the Holy Spirit comes in, in like what they call tongues of fire and, and just visibly present, God's visible presence there and it rests upon the people and the church was born. The body of Christ was born. And to me, it's powerful that we, we get a chance to be a part of that legacy all these years later. We're a part of that. We are a result of what happened then. Now, it's taken on all kinds of different forms, and it looks different in different places, but it's the, but it's the body of Christ. It's those who are followers of Jesus come together in one place to, for a purpose. And so I want to Look at this passage of Scripture again, and we'll help. hopefully we'll un unpack the purposes of the church out of this passage of Scripture. So Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 
42. This is, once again, after the church is born. And the people are gathered together, and it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many miraculous or many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were coming to know Jesus. And that was the result of of them coming together and, and living this unique life called the church. And God was giving them people daily, those who were coming to know this Jesus, so that they could care for them and love them and and meet their their needs. And so from this passage of Scripture, we're going to look at, today specifically, the three ships of church life. Not necessarily boats who float on water, but the three ships of church life. Fellowship, you were formed for God's family. Think about that. You were formed to be in God's family. Discipleship. You were created to become like Christ. And then the last one is worship. You were planned for God's pleasure. Did you know, just right off the bat, that God created you just to take pleasure in you? Parents. I see a mom with her little girl leaning on her shoulder. You created, the two of you created her. For what? To love her, right? You created her to love her and to get her to do some work around the house too. That would be awesome. Back, you know, back in the day, kids were assets to families because they'd work on the farm. You know, if you don't live on a farm, then, then your kids are a liability. No, just kidding. But but, but your kids are created for your pleasure. You, you love them and you, you treasure them. But I want you to think about these things, fellowship, discipleship, and worship. All three of these, these purposes of the church kind of, lean, kind of lean inward, really, towards transformation of ourselves, like molding and shaping us for a, for a purpose. Like there's there's obviously, why, why is it necessary to fellowship and discipleship and worship? I mean, you saw in this text, the people were devoted to, to the apostles' teaching. That's where some discipleship comes in, learning to be more like Jesus. They, they were devoted to fellowship. They're devoted to one another. And so it, it kind of looks like this. If I could, my wife, my wife finally, someone broke the barrier and sitting over on this side. Way to go, honey. Way to Way to start a trend, all right? <laughs> Trying to cause everybody to move over this way. Uh, let's, we'll just pick on the teenage girls here. You, all four of you come here. We'll just pick on you guys. They're like, we're sitting in the back next time, so Dad can't see us. Sit back in the back corner. All right, so let's come. I want you guys to come right here in the center and get in a circle, okay? And so these first, get in a circle. Yeah. So these first three things that we're going to talk about today, fellowship, discipleship, and worship, are kind of lived out in community. And that's what church offers, is, are these kind of things. So, so fellowship would, would kind of look like 
back up just a little bit and extend your arms and just reach, no, reach over. It's like Eliza, you to Emma and Emma over to Courtney and then Courtney. And so it, it, it's kind of like they're all connected, right? They're connected. They're doing life together, experiencing life together. And it sometimes in church life, let's just be honest, it gets a little bit messy. And the reason why is because people are messy. And we come into this place and we come in with all of our stuff and we try to blend together. Not everybody's exactly the same. Everybody's got a little bit different. Everyone has their own unique gifts. Courtney is, is a really good basketball player and she's a pretty darn good baker if you've had some of her baked goods out there, all right? Um, Morgan, Morgan's skills are a little bit different. It's not that she couldn't bake anything. She probably doesn't have to be gluten-free. But she, she, she's a really good bass player. And then Eliza is a really good soccer player, and Emma played soccer this time, but she's a better volleyball player and a basketball player. She's a soccer player, but they're all different, right? And so in the fellowship, we have all these different gifts, and it gets a little bit messy, but we're all interconnected, okay? Does that make sense? All right, and this is kind of inward. Discipleship maybe would look more like, um, how, what, what would it look like if you were serving the other person? Like, what would that look like if you were serving the other person? Huh? But, well, no, that's good. That's good. Go with it. Go with it. Go with it. I'm washing your feet. All right. And so she's washing her feet. All right. She took your idea. No, it's a great idea. It's perfect because that was my idea. So go ahead and act like you're washing her feet. All right. So now, now we get a picture of discipleship because you'll we'll learn in this passage I'll share in just a minute that Jesus did this for his followers. And he said that if you love each other like this, then they will know who you belong to then they'll they'll know when you love like this that you belong to me, Jesus said. And so this is kind of like discipleship. It's not, it's it's learning, it's it's reading the Bible, it's studying, being being devoted to teaching, but it's more than just knowledge here. It's it's practical application of that knowledge and demonstrating love. All right, so that's that's a cool picture right there. And it's kind of cool that the older girls are serving the younger girls. Ladies, older ladies in the church serving the younger, modeling for them what service and what true love looks like. It's a pretty powerful picture in the church. All right, and then the last one is worship. What would worship look like? Yes, yes. Go ahead, yeah, hands up, right? Worship, because when we, when we worship, it's like an offering. We're giving ourselves something greater than ourselves. We're not worshiping each other. They served each other, but we're worshiping Something greater than ourself, right? Good. All right, give it up for the ladies. All right. Because, because next week, it'll, it's going to look a little different because instead of looking inward and upward, they're going to be turned looking outward to the next purposes of the church, and that is ministry and evangelism. Because in ministry, you were shaped to serve God. Like you're being molded and shaped to go out and serve and then evangelism, you were made for a mission. Like, we come into this place to receive our mission, then to go out and accomplish it. Right? Hopefully you'll begin to see that. So this will help you discover and put into practice the calling that you have for your life. Okay? So let's put this thing back up there again, the mission statement. These first three things, fellowship, discipleship, and worship, can be categorized in the first sentence of our mission statement, I believe. 
Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father when they're fellowshipping with each other, when they're learning to become more like Jesus, when they're learning to truly, fully give themselves in worship. As a result of that, then they turn outward and then begin to discover the calling he has for their life. And we, we really hope that's what takes place. So when I was thinking about the ship thing, I was thinking about the differences in ships, and especially as we remember those who have served in the military. I was thinking about church in this context. I want to give you a couple of illustrations. Like this was a visual, visual illustration. I'm going to give you one that hopefully you can wrap your mind around. Is church like a cruise ship? Now, let's real quick. How many of you have been on a cruise before? Bunch of spoiled people. You invite your pastor to go with you the next time, all right? Um, no, cruise ship, okay, so I've never been on one, but I heard they're amazing, and I would love to go, but my wife said she'll get seasick, so we'll, we'll stuck on, we're stuck on ground. Cruise ship versus battleship. Is the church like a cruise ship, or is it like a battleship? I mean, a cruise ship is you go for the pleasure, Right? And you go and you kind of pick out, like, what's the destiny? Where's it going? Where's the cruise going to go? What's going to happen on the cruise ship? Is, am I going to like, is the entertainment, is the entertainment that I like? Is, it, is the food going to be the food that I like? And, and, and we have to be careful if we view church just like that. Like, if I come as a consumer saying, all right, what is in it for me? I'm going to come to church and, like, is the, do I like the music? Um, is, is the uh, entertainment, is it, is it up to standard? Is it something I really enjoy? Um, is the food, is the food good? Is the coffee, is the coffee taste just right? Is it made just the way that I like it? And when you go on a cruise, you can afford to be picky like that because you're paying a lot of money to be on there and you want it to be just right. But is there, let's just be honest, is there a danger if we approach church that way? If it's not just right, if it's not quite the way that I want it, then you know what? There's other cruise lines, right? There's other boats to go on. There's other places that you could go. Now, that, that analogy breaks down a little bit because I do like the fact that we, that we can come and we can enjoy each other's presence. We can have a good time. We can be, we can be in a place where it's comfortable and it's familiar and, it's, and it feels good and you walk away feeling good. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. But what if we viewed church, what if we viewed what was going on here with these young ladies like, like a, um, a ship being prepared for a battle? Now, before they go out to battle, there's training that goes on, right? For those of you in the military, Scott, did you just like, they just hand you a gun and say go, or did they train you? <laughs> well, well, they just handed me a gun. <laughs> There was some training that went on. I know my friend Buddy back there was in, the, was in the Marines. There's training. They're molding, they're shaping, getting ready to send you out for a task, right? And so viewing church as in, now obviously a battleship is not as glamorous as a cruise ship. But a battleship has a, has a mission, right? They have a, a destination, and a purpose, uh, something to accomplish. And I believe that the church obviously has a purpose, has a mission, and it has something 
to accomplish. And so next week, we'll, we'll dig in a little bit more to kind of like as a battleship gets close to land, you know, the battleship just can't pull right up to the dock and just dump everybody off. They have to have these landing crafts that the soldiers would get on, especially in World War II. They had those, when they stormed the beaches of Normandy, they had all these landing crafts. They'd, they'd put on the equipment and men and they'd send them out to the land. And I, I just want you to wrap your mind around like that, that the church... That's, in a sense, that's kind of what we're doing as we come together and we, we, we train and we prepare and we love each other and we, we get equipped to then go out. Because if you just stay on the boat and you, and you never go out, you'll never win the war. You'll never accomplish what God intended you for you to accomplish. Like if you never use your gifts and the things that God has given you to go out and serve him and serve others, for one, you'll never fully experience Experience life the way God intended it to be. And hopefully that will make sense to you. So let's unpack these, these three ships. The first one is fellowship. You were formed in your mother's womb for God's purpose or for God's family. And this idea of fellowship in the Bible is a word that, is, that I've shared before. It's called koinonia. But this word is so deep and rich in meaning there's really no English word to adequately to express it. Like there's no word that we have in our language to express what, what true biblical community is, what it's like. It's a communion uh, with one another. It's like this joint participation, sharing in something that is so powerful that it becomes something that you can almost touch. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, like I know for me personally, like, and I shared this last week about how, how community and church has been such a blessing to, to Emma and to our family. Like there's just something about when you're around some other people as a Christ-centered community, there's something about that that's different. You can almost, hopefully you can find it as a place where you can kind of let down your guard a little bit. You can kind of just be who you are, be real, and people still love you anyway. I, I, hopefully, if you've never experienced that in church life, hopefully, that, hopefully you will. I love this thought. We were made for each other. Look, look at the person next to you and the person around you. Like, you were made for me. Especially if you're married. You're like, hey, you were made for me. You know, like, we were, we were created to be in relationship with each other. And we're all the same in this sense, that we all have the same basic needs and desires but yet we're so unique and different, right? We're so unique and different, but we are better together than we could be on our own. All of us are better together. Like, here's the reality. I need you, and hopefully you need me, and you need the people that are, that are a part of this body of Christ. You need, we need each other. Here's a, cool, here's a cool picture of what that looks like. Look at Acts chapter 4. Just turn your page over one, maybe two, depending on how the size of your Bible. And look at verse, chapter 4, verse, starting at verse 32. Here, here to me is kind of a cool picture of what this, this living in this kind of community looks like. Now, I, I don't, when I read this, I don't want you to hear this as, well, this is a command. This is what's supposed to happen. This is, 
It's not a command, but it is the, the best idea, I believe, of what church life should look like. And this is still early church, and they're molding, they're shaping, and, this, and they share this word, and it says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From, from, from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who was a leader in the church, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, it's not saying that you should sell everything that you have and bring it to the church and lay it at Brady's feet. There are cults that try to convince people to do that kind of stuff all the time. It's not saying that. I think there's an implication here that says that if you, if you have the resources to meet the needs of other people, then you are encouraged to let that happen. Because in every given Sunday, when you come into this place, matter of fact, I think I thought about this thought earlier. Here's a cool thought. We will not all be in the same room just like this ever again. Next week, it might be some, some of the same people. Maybe all the same people. There'll be additional people here. We'll never be here together again, just like this. But in this room, there are people who have needs, and there are people who have resources to meet the need. And if, we are, if we're listening, I believe, to the Holy Spirit, and we're just saying, God, you know, I have this, I have this resource that I have, you know, who needs it? I believe that God will begin to kind of match that up. Matter of fact, I've seen this happen so many times. Matter of fact, it was crazy how just like someone put toilet paper on our steps. You know, obviously, we already had bought toilet paper, but this was really good toilet paper. This was like the best of the best toilet paper. This was like, this was, abu- this was abundant life that Jesus promises toilet paper. That's what I'm talking about. It was good stuff. But that, that is just a simple example of how Practical needs are met in the body of Christ. Now, here's the deal. I believe in this scripture that, that uh, it wasn't guesswork. I believe that people probably came before the church and said, hey, you know what? Um, we, we have no food in our home. We, we, have just, we have no bread. We have no flour. We have nothing. And then, and then I believe it sparked somebody else in the body to say, you know what? I can take care of that. Matter of fact, I, I have, I've sold some property. I've got some money hey, here's the money, pastor, go meet that need if you would. We have, because you have not, if you ask not. Like if you have a need and you don't tell anybody, don't get mad at God for not meeting that need. You see what I'm saying? Like let the need be known. It doesn't mean you're, you're being greedy or you should be um, too needy. <laughs> You know, because there are some people who take advantage of the system. That's between you and God, and you'll have to, you'll have to deal with, with him on that. But, but I think if you have a need, let the church know. And I really, truly want to be a church where we, like, all right, we have a need over here. We have some people who can meet that need. Let's get together, and let's watch the church be the church. I think that's a beautiful thing. We should adopt the attitude that everything we have belongs to God, and we're only sharing 
what is already his anyway. Does that make sense? Like we're already sharing what already belongs to him. Do you believe that a healthy church, a healthy community attracts other people to know Jesus? Have you ever heard someone say, well, why would I go to church, man? They just treat each other terrible there. They talk bad about each other. You know, they're just always bickering. They're always gossiping about one another. I I can get that at the bar. You know, why do I need to go to church for that? Well, I believe a healthy church that is really, truly trying to model ourselves after, after this and allowing people to experience the compassionate love of the Father attracts people to Jesus. It becomes contagious Christianity where people are like, man, I don't know what that is, but I want some. I want some of that. The next ship, discipleship. You were created to become like Christ. A disciple is someone who follows the teaching of another in order to become like the one they are following. So if you wanted to be a disciple of Brady, which I hope that you don't want to be a disciple of Brady, I want you to be a disciple of Jesus, hopefully I can point you to him, but then you would follow me around and do what Brady does. Everything that I do, you would do. And that's what people did in the early days of following Jesus. They followed Jesus around, and Jesus said, hey, watch me do it. Now I'm going to have you do it with me. I talked about this last week. Now I'm going to watch you do it, and now I'm leaving, and you're going to do it because I've taught you how to do it. Now, that's what, it, that's what discipleship looks like. So a disciple is someone who's following this teaching. You know, God's ultimate desire for you is to be like Jesus. Are there obstacles that get in the way of that in our life, of us being more like Christ? Yeah, there are. Sometimes it's your friends. That's the obstacle. Sometimes it's your spouse. Sometimes it's your job. Sometimes it's just life and the busyness of life. It kind of gets in the way. And so we have to continue processing through God. What is it that's, that's keeping me from becoming more like Jesus? Now, to be like Jesus, does that mean we all have to walk on water, raise some people from the dead, die a brutal death on a cross? If you don't do those things, can you be like Jesus? I believe that you can be like him. In John chapter 13 gives a perfect example of that. And the, late, the ladies, they modeled it for me perfectly. This was unscripted, by the way, impromptu acting. It was awesome. We did not rehearse this. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus is spending this last time with his disciples. They shared this last meal together. And Jesus says to them, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so that's that's what he says. This is how people will know who you belong to. If you love like this, radical love. Love that is, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says it's not envious or it's not proud. It doesn't boast. It's not jealous, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Those are the, that's the kind of love he's speaking of. But here's the deal. We might not be required to walk on water and raise people from the dead or die on a cross, but you know what? Loving some people is difficult. Do you, ever, do you know anybody in your life that is difficult to love? <laughs> they look at, Morgan looks at Eliza. You are difficult to love sometimes. Well, you know what? You can, look, you, can look, you can look in the mirror and say, man, Brady, you're difficult to love sometimes. 
And there are some people that are more difficult than others. It's a challenge. And God says, I want you to love them in such a way that other people see that and they say, you know what? He must be a follower of Jesus because other people just don't love that way. They don't love with that kind of patience or that kind of passion maybe. Or do you think maybe people will know that we belong to Jesus because of our Christian t-shirts? Maybe just wear a t-shirt that says Jesus on it, then they'll know you're a Christian. Or maybe if you have a fish on the back of your car, you know, not a real fish, that would be weird. Uh, one of those, like, little metal fish things, you know, little ichthus. Like, oh, well, I have one of those. Then people know I'm a Christian. I wear a cross. People know I'm a Christian, right? No, that's not it. First Corinthians 13 says that I could speak eloquent words with great power, but if I have not love, then I am just a bunch of obnoxious noise. And I was sharing that with a guy earlier this week. Believe it or not, I was at Starbucks. I know that's hard for you to believe. And he was like, Brady, I don't get it. Like, how do you, how do you put up with me? <laughs> He's like, I'm a mess. How do you put up with me? And this is not a Christian, this is not just a churchy, cliche answer. It's because of love, man. Because if I can, if I can share with you all these great answers and all these scriptures and 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 put on a great sermon on Sunday morning, but if I don't love you, then I have nothing. I am definitely not being Jesus to you. But I honestly, truly am required to love you. And everything that we go through in life, all the difficulties and all the experiences, all of those things are molding and shaping us into the image of Jesus. And so when you're going through a really hard time, Don't be frustrated by it. Instead, say, hey, God, man, what is it that you're trying to teach me here? How is this going to make make me more like Jesus? And if it's a really incredible thing, you're experiencing great success, hey, God, how is this going to make me more like Jesus? And then finally, the last one is worship. Worship is this thought of the first purpose of your life is to bring enjoyment to God. The first purpose of your life is to bring enjoyment to God. Not to bring enjoyment to your friends, to the people around you, to your spouse. As a parent, your first purpose in life is not to just to love your kids, but it's just to bring pleasure to God. And realizing that God created you because he loves you kind of helps with that. So there's this funny joke that someone put on my Facebook page. Some of you might have seen it, but it goes like this. Instead of going to Starbucks, I make my own coffee at home. Then I yell my name out incorrectly. Then I light a $5 bill on fire. (laughs) Let me think about it. Which was funny because on Friday they called me Brody. Brody, you're Americano, remember cream? It's like, my name's not Brody. My name's Bra- I told her my name was Brady. How could she write that name? I thought I'd been there long enough that they would know who I am. And you really feel disappointed. They don't even know you. It's terrible. You ever gone somewhere and you think, that surely they remember who I am and they don't know your name? That's frustrating, isn't it? But then I got this thought. I was sitting there and I was watching all of these people. Because if you've been to Starbucks, you know how it works. You give them your name, you t- put your order in, and then you wait. Especially if it's really busy, then you wait. And what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Huh? 
You're waiting for your coffee, I know, but more than that, you're waiting for them to say what? Your name. That's right, you're waiting. You're like, man, I can't wait. Like, they're all, like, standing around. You can see the anticipation. You know, they're just like, is it going to be me? My name's got to be coming up because I know I was before that person. My drink's a little complicated, but maybe it's got to be my name. And they're waiting, especially if they're in a hurry. And they're all just, like, standing there anticipating their name being called. And so then I got this thought. This is how my brain works. What if people would approach worship like that? Like, what if we came with the expectation, like, man, I'm here, I put my order in, God's going to call my name today, it's going to be awesome, and I'm just waiting. So what happens as soon as you hear your name, what do you do? What do you do? You go to receive it, don't you? You don't just, you don't just like, oh, they call my name, thanks, that's awesome. No, man, as soon as you hear your name, it puts you into action. you like, like, man, I'm going for it, because, oh, finally, it's ready. And I'm anticipating. Let me just ask you a question. Do you come to worship? Do you come to experience the compassionate love of the Father with, with expectation? Do you come, just wait? It's like, man, I just can't wait. Man, God's going to call my name today. It's going to be awesome. And when he calls my name, it's, it's not that, uh, uh, it's not even so much about what, what, what I'm going to receive when he calls my name, it's about what I'm going to be able to give him. See, it's, it's reverse in this culture. It's reverse. It's like God's calling my name. He's already given me the greatest gift ever, and now I get a chance to give him something back. And you know what that gift is? That gift is you. That gift is your very life. So I want to share this with you real quick, and then we'll finish up. This is Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2, you can go there if you want, but I'm going to read, read it a little bit differently for you this morning. But I want you to understand this thought. Nothing pleases God more than you giving yourself back to him. Nothing. When you say, God, thank you for everything you've given me, now I'm going to give myself back to you. And I want to read this, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read it from the message translation of the Bible. But here, here it goes. I want you to... We're going to finish up with this, and then the, um, the band's going to come. So here's what I want you to do as we finish up our time together. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you, okay, this is Scripture. It's like this idea. The Holy Spirit enables us to do this. We can't even give ourselves to God apart from him. Like in our flesh, we just can't do it. God helps us do it. And here's what he says. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That's what worship is. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. In one passage of scripture, it says, this is your spiritual act of worship. What did God do for you? God offered himself to you through the giving of his own son, sacrificing everything so that you might experience life. And the best thing you can do is just, is just give right back to him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. It says you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when that happens, then you'll be able to readily recognize what he wants from you. 
Don't you want to know, God, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And then you'll be able to quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, which is always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops a well-formed maturity in you. And the reward that you'll receive in exchange of offering yourself is knowing his desire for your life. You'll know his plan for your life. And when you discover that, when you discover God's desire for your life, you know what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to worship him. You're going to want to say, man, God, you've revealed yourself to me. I just want to give it all back to you because everything that we have really doesn't belong to us anyway. It belongs to him. And so during this last song this morning, I want to challenge you. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, then what, this is what this time is for. And here's a little bit of challenge for you. I'm going to use a military context for you. You can't just sign up for the Marines or the Army or the Navy or the Air Force and, and then not go through the training if you really want to experience all that they have for you. You can't say that you're a Marine unless you went through basic training. You have to go. And if you're going to fully give your life to Jesus, then it requires you to step out of your comfort zone. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, but it requires you to step out and to enter into all that he has for you. Enter into the fellowship the discipleship and worship that comes along with giving your life to him. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, so I've never given my life to Jesus, but I know I need to, then come. Come and experience it. I'll be to pray with you. So come. Well, hey, let's, let's pray together and pray for the offering um, that we're about ready to receive. So God, once again, we thank you for the offering of Jesus to us so that we might have life and have it to the full. We thank you for those who have offered themselves to render service to our country, to our communities. We praise you, pray you lift them up today, lift up their families. God, I pray that you'd bless the, um, the tithes and the offerings that are given to continue the work that we're doing. God, thank you for your faithfulness to this church. Thank you for your love that's unending. Thank you that you have given us everything so that we can turn around and just give it all back to you. May we experience the compassionate love of the Father today and discover the calling you have for our life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll get to know somebody you don't know today. Visit with someone before you leave. Bless you and have a great weekend.